Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the second episode of Cult Heroes, a show about, well, its title is self-explanatory. Today, to discuss two of his favourites, and I'm sure it'll get some debate, this, uh, as my preview <laughs> tweet has already suggested, I'm delighted to be joined from far, far away by none other than Andrew Detmer. Good morning, stroke afternoon, Andrew. How are you doing? Good morning. It is, uh, it's eight in the morning here so the the sun has just begun to uh light up the world on this gray and wet um january day which you know things aren't too different uh in yes. our parts of the world howard you could be in manchester well we've had to delay the start of this podcast because of a bloody leaf blower who is <laughs> making his or her way down the street i think they've gone now but if there is any background noise as always, as per the last seven years, you know why. So uh, hopefully we'll be okay. So yeah, uh, depths of depths of winter there as well then. But it can't wait for spring. I certainly can't anyway. So. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I, I don't mind winter when it's uh, snowy and pretty and, you know, mm. it's the holidays. But once we pass my birthday, uh, I stop really having any desire to have it feel like winter and spring can come as soon as it wants. Yeah, I used to love the winter. Now I just like warmth. So roll on the summer. Uh, your cult hero choices, we're not going to name them yet, but were they too easy choices for you to make? I think they were from the standpoint that, one, I don't think many other people would come on here to discuss them, but also <laughs> for me, yep. they somewhat define why I became a city fan, particularly in the early years. And then also just, I think they represent something that as city grows as a club, particularly in the United States, I think that growth is somewhat directly in response to their, not necessarily because they played for city, mm. but because those players played in the premier league and what they represented. Okay. Now, if someone comes on the show for the first time, and obviously it's a very young uh, show, only the second episode, I'm always going to ask this question. So before we talk individuals, mm -hmm. what do you think defines a cult hero at a football club? How is it different from a legend? So to me, I think a legend is, one of, is a player that every fan is going to look at and we're all going to recall the same moments, recall the same um, accolades, recall the same reasons that they are held up as one of these players that when someone thinks of Man City, you talk about them. You know? hmm. So David Silva, Vincent Company, Yaya Toure, Colin Bell, those type of players, immediately everyone regardless of their city fan or not, goes to. To me, the cult hero, though, is someone who maybe other fans or newer fans will recognize the name, but they won't know the reasoning or the, the backstory of why that player holds a special place in the hearts of, of fans or the role they played for that club. And so I think it goes to a different type of player, particularly, I think, one who maybe doesn't show up on stat sheets or in the trophy cabinet to the same extent that other legends would. Okay. So can a legend be a cult hero as well? Or do you think cult hero is more... There's a hundred ways to become a cult hero, of course, but 
it, yeah, it I is think less dependent hero... on it's less dependent on not just accolades but performance levels. Is it fair to say I, that? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you can make arguments for cult heroes where they uh, maybe only have like one or two performances of note, but because of whatever performance it is or what mm. happened, you know, they they qualify. Like I think of someone like like you know Anelka for that run that he had, <laughs> or not Anelka, uh, Arbayor. Sorry for the run that he had. Like that's the type of thing that lends itself less to legend status, but more on the cult hero status. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think cult hero more goes to the identity of how fans look to the club rather than how the club outwardly looks to the wider footballing community. Hmm. I think we should crack on then with the choices. So yeah, these, this is very, I'd say more left field or different choices to say what we chose in our first episode. The first one was two very obvious choices, really. Uh, I think. I can't even remember. Ali Benabi or Sean Goto, I think it was. But it was a long time ago. I have slept since then, <laughs> so <laughs> yep. who knows. Uh, but, the, yeah, they're, they're the sort of choices that are quite easy to make as a cult hero. You've chosen two plays that perhaps a lot of City fans will say and I think this will form the discussion of why they're cult heroes for you and perhaps how much City are a part of that because a lot of City fans will say well they're not cult heroes at City but they are cult heroes to you and City are entwined in that I think that's fair to say so to start off the discussion we start with your first choice and that is Claudio Reyna indeed indeed so before we discuss him and your second choice, uh, I just want to quickly ask you, because I think it's pertinent to what I just said before, did their City career predate your support of the club or not? Because both these players pl- played for City at about the same time. Yeah, so Claudio Reyna joined City in 2003, yeah. which is about when... So post-2002 World Cup which was a uh, banner year for the U.S. men's national team. Um, It became a lot easier to watch the Premier League and football generally in the United States. Um, I was seeing City matches when I would watch, but at that point it was not like it is now where you can pretty much watch every team and every match here. And so... I wasn't yet kind of falling in love with any particular club. Mm. I was just watching matches, but I, I was very much aware of Claudio Reyna. And we'll, when we talk about him individually, why he is one of the reasons that I started to watch the Premier League so much. Um, and so in a way he start his beginning of his career predated it, but then he overlapped. And, you know, my second choice is Demarcus Beasley, uh, and the two of them played together for one season at Man City, which was the 06-07 season. And that is what cemented me as being a City fan instead of, I would say, just being like a casual. Like, I liked the club. I liked watching them. If they were on, I was going to watch them. But that once those two players were both there for a few different reasons, that's what kind of locked me in. So Claudio, in a way, helped get me into the sport. Hmm. And then both of them being with City at the exact same moment locked me into 
supporting the club. Yeah, well, there were, we'll we'll come to this, but uh, the six or seven season, I'd say there were a few other reasons for Manchester City to <laughs> to garner <laughs> your support. Uh, so those two players were perhaps the only. I don't reason. know what you're talking about. I know, yeah, uh, the forgotten years for for many, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's wishful thinking. So yeah, I've you've kind of answered it a bit for you uh, already. My first question was quite simply. And I'll ask it, you know, for both players. Why is he a cult hero to you? And I guess as you kind of answered that a bit, a follow-up question is: What does and did he represent to American soccer fans? And yes, I'm going to allow the word soccer in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate that. So yes, you know, I think <laughs> um, I appreciate, or I think a lot of city fans, particularly those who are based in England or elsewhere in the world, even if they were watching City at the time that Claudio played for the club, I don't know that they necessarily understand who Claudio is, and I won't get into his more recent uh, yes. <laughs> uh, events new- in the news cycle. Would that involve his wife, by any chance? Or? Uh, his wife, his son, his childhood best friend, who is also the best man in his wedding and happened to be the coach of the men's national team. It's a it's a wild story. It's great, but uh, we'll leave that to the side because yeah. use Google um, if you if you for further yeah. details. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you don't know, um, 1998, uh, the U.S. had a disastrous World Cup in France, and one of the changes that was made by the new manager who came in, Bruce Arena, who would then later coach the men's national team when we disastrously missed. The World Cup in 2018 was what a name to a point, for the record. What a name! Yeah, <laughs> Bruce Arena, perfect, great name. Uh, so he made Claudio Reyna the captain of the U.S. men's national team, and in the wake of that, Reyna then you know has this kind of great career where he moves, or he's you know kind of seen as being this big time player, and importantly. Unlike some of these other names that had been touted as American talent playing overseas that were promising in the face of the team, particularly uh, Hugo Perez and Todd Ramos, both of those players, uh, despite being Americans, had grown up and been taught the game in El Salvador and Uruguay, respectively. But Claudio was born in New Jersey, played high school soccer in New Jersey, played his college in New Jersey, and then went on to have this career. And it showed to a lot of kids like myself who were starting to get into the, the game and you know fans that Americans who grew up in America that had learned to play the game in America could be good enough to play on the world stage. Hmm. And so that's why, you know, there's now this title that they pass around to kind of the quote-unquote best or the face of the national team as Captain America. But really that title belonged to, in my opinion, should only belong to Claudio Reyna because he represented something new for us and took us American fans into a different belief in the team. And then, 
you know, in 2001, in the lead up to the World Cup, he had signed for Sunderland and it didn't go well. He moves to Rangers. It go starts to go really well. And he then moves to the city. And so that's where this starts to conflate. But one of the things I know you want to talk about, Howard, is like, where does he rank in kind of the U.S. Legends Hall hmm. of Fame? I don't know that he's the best U.S. men's national team player we've ever had. I do think that he and DeMarcus, for me, share the title of the greatest because of the importance that they played in changing the perception of Americans in the sport and I think kind of breaking open this idea that Americans could and can be good enough to play in the Premier League. Well, I don't know where it was at. I thought it was Leverkusen or Wolfsburg before he went to Rangers, then Sunderland, then City. He, I think he was the first American captain of a European side. Yes. Uh, which sounds ridiculous in a way, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and that is important in a way, is it not, for, well, for the sport in your country? Yeah, I mean, it's important for the sport in our country, and I th- it's also just important for the the sport generally because I think there is and we, we see it today with think of a player like Youngman Son who for my money has been one of the best Premier League players of the past five years mm. but because of the country he comes from I think his success has not been heralded to the extent that it would be had he been English or German or French and playing the way that he does and I think it takes players like that that break down these barriers from countries that are seen as maybe not traditional powerhouses in the sport for teams and supporters to start looking at players from those countries and saying, you know, there are talented, good players there. We should be looking at them. And, you know, now it's hard to not see Americans, not just in the Premier League, but in all of the, you know, big leagues that are important and playing key roles, whether that is as players or as managers, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, um, you know, Bob Bradley was coaching Swansea and getting ridiculed by the press. And there were people saying, Oh, can an American ever be a, a successful manager in the Premier League? And now you have Jesse Marsh who, you know, sure his Leeds team have been up and down, but he steered them out of relegation. He has them playing at times really impressive football and has shown that he is very much as qualified and capable as managers, you know, from any other country and that him being American and the word choice he uses and the way that we approach the game has little to nothing to do with this. And, you know, for me, I think that all really does start with Claudio Reyna, both his time in Europe, but I think even more importantly, despite maybe his time on the pitch not being um, what I, I and you know City fans when he signed would have wanted, uh, being as uh, successful or as frequent um, as many may have expected when he signed. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes, and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. 
So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.